This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC slim fit trouser. But I am a joggers guy. I just, once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. Hello and welcome back to the Stadia Podcast. I'm Musa Kwonga. I'm Ryan Hun. Ryan, how are you doing? I am all right, thanks, man. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Yeah? Yes. Hanging in there. Hanging there. Rested, content. Nice. Uh, we hope everyone's staying safe, staying well, uh, wherever you are. A um, couple of bits of admin very quickly. Uh, there was a Sunday night writer's house. There was. Myself, Ian, and Clive Palmer. Originally, we were going to just, uh, we, were, we were planning on just doing it about Arsenal Newcastle. But after the Carabao Cup final yesterday, we had to start with that. So that is up on the writer's house feed now. If you haven't subscribed to writer's house since the feed split, what are you doing? Go and search for writer's house wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe. Um, no writer's house on Tuesday. So that was an early one, back on Friday. Uh, you and I were on Friday's episode, so if you haven't checked that yet, go check that out. That was fun. And uh, yeah, Stadio Watch Us plays on Spotify and go and subscribe to the Stadio newsletter, stadio.football. Scribe, scroll to the bottom, pop your email address in. I think it's all the admin. Yes. Today we're going to talk, uh, should, we just, should we just get straight into it today? We're going to talk about Liverpool's Carabao Cup final win. We were going to like... <sighs> We were like, well, we did all this on Wright's House. Should we do it? But we have to do it because I want to hear your thoughts on it. We're going to do right. some Premier League. We're going to do some Serie A. We're going to talk about Luka Modric rolling back the years and um, some other bits and bobs. But let's start with the... Uh, well, actually, I was going to say, do you want to start with the Super Classico? Because there's a Super Classico this weekend, Musa. Oh, my goodness. And, uh, so much football. It was <laughs> River Plate 1, Boca Juniors 1, and... Five yellow cards, no red cards. So, seriously, <laughs> where's the where's the fun in that? <laughs> but yeah, let's uh, let's let's go to Wembley, Carabao Cup final. Liverpool won, Chelsea nil. A Virgil Chelsea Van nil. Dijk. Liverpool won. Oh, sorry, speaking. sorry, my bad, my bad. Whoa, there Whoa. we go. Whoa, Whoa listen. Whoa, sticklers. <laughs> All right, knock. Um, <laughs> Chelsea nil. Liverpool won. A Virgil Van Dijk header right at the end of extra time. Gave a. Uh, Jurgen Klopp's and a, a nice end to Jurgen Klopp's class trip. Yeah. Um, class trip. That's a great great name for a cup run in the Carabao, actually, given all the young players they've been using. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Love that. 
Uh, good job it didn't go to penalties because it would have been past their bedtime, etc., etc. All that kind of crap, you know. <laughs> oh, they did their homework. Blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, it was a funny thing. We bumped into a guy. I was heading back um, after the game. I watched it with Ian in the pub and some other friends. And oh, uh, yeah, you did, yeah. Yeah, we did. Flo was down there too. Flo and the gang, calling the gang. And um, wow, all right. Well, there was a guy bumped into. It's brilliant. Guy and his dad bumped into. They were on the way to Wembley Park to celebrate with all because they didn't get tickets. They watched in the pub on the way to Wembley to celebrate with the rest of Liverpool fans. And this guy was like a spitting image of Connor Bradley. No way. Yeah, and it was so funny. The best thing was his dad joined in the joke. So he gets off the train. I'm like, oh, Connor, great game. Great game. And his dad, <laughs> bless him, dad, Scouser, immediately leapt in. He was like, yeah, he was fantastic, wasn't he? Up and down. Look, looks great. Like, <laughs> Got subbed off and went straight to West London to go to the pub to watch a game. <laughs> Absolutely dead ring. Or maybe it's just a lot of like kids that look like Connor Bradley. Either way, great game, Connor. Great game, Liverpool. And just a really wonderful cup victory. And the thing about the Carabao Cup is... I love how much it win it means sorry. I love how much it means to winners. Flo was saying this such about how Man City it's not so much the same case for them because they always win it, but for the non Man City winners of the Carabao Cup, it means a huge amount. And I love that actually. It feel it felt like um funnily enough, it had almost an FA Cup type energy to it. In terms of, you know, seeing Liverpool what it meant to them, what it meant to Klopp, we'll get into the game in a sec. But just in terms of what this victory means for a trajectory, this trophy's almost kind of assumed, I mean, not FA Cup proportions, nothing is, but it does feel like the kind of trophy that can be an important milestone for a squad and a club. I just think it's turning back, it's turned back into like just a really fun tournament again. It has, actually. hasn't it? It has. Yeah. 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 And I think, um, especially if you get to the final and, you know, the last few finals have been pretty good. Mm. Um, and been with like pretty big clubs. Yep. And, you know, it feels like, I don't know. I, I think it's, I think, I, th- I wonder whether there's, that's actually because of Manchester City. I think that the, their emergence into being a dominant force in English football has meant that the actual opportunities for, for silverware is drastically reduced. Yeah. So maybe I think that's, that's right. So maybe that people have started to realise that the Carabao Cup or the EFL Cup, whatever the sponsor is at the time, is actually a really good opportunity to win something because, you know, it it's the one that maybe Manchester City might take their eye off if they were gonna, you know, gonna do gonna kind of slip up somewhere like they did last year. Also, it's early in the season. The finals early in the season, so it allows you not to get distracted by it in the running. Yeah, and also it's a bit of a free hit in terms of a cup final. I think for maybe you know sides going for the Champions League. Because I don't think anyone's going to get fired for losing a cap. Well, I was going to say, but maybe apart from Pochettino, to be honest. But I don't think anyone. Oh, although I did say, to be fair, sides going for the Champions League. So, uh, <laughs> no, that's a reality. They're tense. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. It's not a diss. That's the reality. You know, I, don't, I think a side going for top four or going, you know, in the Champions League or anything like that. You know, it's. I think it would be rare to see a manager get fired mm. after losing a Carabao Cup final. But. um I mean, as a neutral, I said this from Wright's house, as a neutral, I just thought it was a really fun game to watch. And um, very unpredictable in the sense that, you know, when we, from, the, from a playing point of view, we were talking about this on Wright's house on Friday about how I felt that Chelsea had a little bit more of a chance this time mm. based on the sheer amount of injuries that Liverpool got, Liverpool right. had. Chelsea, obviously, without a huge... They've got a big injury list as well, but I think... They, the amount of key players that Liverpool were missing, it meant that, you know, Chelsea, I thought, did have a chance. However, the opening 
however long in that first half, they could not get can get out. Them. Can yeah. get out. Chelsea can get out on the left. No. There was an amazing moment actually, and it's funny, it's very rarely you'll see Ben Chilwell that exercised or concerned, right? It's very, you know, the guy's like, you know, it's a Rolls yeah, Royce footballer. Yeah. I love Ben but, Chilwell, but he needs to he needs to kind of stop picking. He wasn't up chilling well. Years. He was Do not I mean? he was not <laughs> chilling well. Let's be <laughs> let's be honest. Hell. You know, the, the calmest member of the back four there was a bit um Bless the sassy for this. The sassy gets the ball because also that's a bit harsh. Colwell was playing well and trying to be enterprising, but that Liverpool press was quite severe, and I think it caught him a step slow a couple of times. There's one bit where De Sassi basically gets the ball, plays it out really well, is waiting for the return pass, and there's like no Chelsea player even considering playing it to him and like losing their composure, and it was really striking watching that because the early stage I was expecting Chelsea to come out certain intensity they had a better side I think a better starting 11 certainly and a, and, a, and a starting 11 that had shown more chemistry because Liverpool were basically like they're a patchwork team you know this is the thing in terms of this victory absolutely and this is not to judge Liverpool it's more like they were doing the best they could with a limited chemistry and the players available I don't think that's really a negative thought, thing to say about Liverpool at all when you have like an injury uh, yeah. to Ryan Gravenberg and you have to push Harvey yeah. Elliott in midfield and then push Connor Bradley in the right wing position. Right. Yeah, exactly. You know, so they've really, got Joe Gomez yeah. coming in at right back. It's just that's just yeah. a, a it's a combination that they've just not really had to play this year. Totally. So I expected Chelsea to start with more enterprise than they did, but even some of the basic things like some of the the touches. And I thought, ah, oh, this actually just feels it's very rarely you can say this is a nervy final, but it felt like that. It felt like the moment was huge. The occasion was enormous for Chelsea and things they would normally execute. I'm sure they'll rewatch that video and be like, I cannot believe I made that touch or that pass or didn't make that run just because I think the scale of what they were dealing with. And, you know, there's things like the amount of money spent on players, things like the chaos at board level and managerial level, I think they have an impact. And I think this is one of the few times you watch a team where you think you can see the cumulative effect of that in those first 20 minutes because that was a Chelsea team that had been given a set of instructions but was very much off-piste how did you see it yeah, yeah just I just thought that Chelsea just really struggled to string two three passes together for it's wild wasn't it yeah it was very weird and I actually think that um Malo Gusto deserves a lot of credit because a very young player on the pitch remember he's only 20 years old Mm. He started very shaky and I thought he actually ended up being Chelsea's best player on the day, in my opinion. Mm. I think he put in a really, really good performance in, um, you know, took charge a lot in the end, defended really well, defended against Luis Diaz really well and grew into the game to a level which I think a few of those other Chelsea players struggled to. They got mm. better as the game went on, but I think that, um, I said this on Wright's house, that there was a weird thing happened when when Liverpool started losing players or taking players off and they were bringing on all of these... <laughs> I saw jo Jonathan Lou's piece when he referred to them as a load of Papa John's trophy veterans, right? <laughs> and, um, and I think that was a sign of, actually, you were like, and Liverpool down to their bare bones here. And it got to the point where, as each minute ticked on and Chelsea didn't... Uh, do you know what it was actually? It reminded me a little bit of the, it had a similar vibe to when Chelsea went to the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and Spurs were down to nine men and the longer mm. that it took them to break Spurs down, yes, 
the less of a victory or the more of a moral victory it was going to be for Spurs, whatever the result was. And I think it right. was a similar thing in this game where the longer that game went on and the longer that Chelsea went without scoring against that, che- at that Liverpool lineup, it kind of didn't matter. It got to a point where it actually didn't matter if Chelsea had won the game or not. It would, have yep. been a, it would have been like a spiritual moral victory for Liverpool because of the players that they had out on the pitch. But actually that emotional momentum started to take over. It did, didn't it? Yeah, it really, really did. And few clubs can harness this like Liverpool, especially like a Klopp, a Klopp, like Klopp's Liverpool. And the Klopp is a master at doing this. And you know, we've talked about this however many times on Stadio, but it just felt like you saw, you know, two young sides. You know, Chelsea's starting eleven was younger than Liverpool's. Liverpool's finishing eleven was younger than Chelsea's. But you just saw how complete belief and understanding and um, you know, joined up thinking, let's say, in one side and a load of just chaos in the other, really. Not chaos, mm. but you know what I mean? Just very kind of a side that, Chelsea looked very much like a side that had been expensively, expensively ex- assembled very recently and not really gelled to the, to the level that we would have hoped they would have by now, despite the occasional very impressive performance that we've talked about, you know, like Villa away, etc. Chelsea, that's so well put because I think Chelsea, even in this game, we saw patches of like glorious football from Chelsea. I think the disallowed goal, um, the disallowed goal from Sterling, real, real shame. Yeah, real shame that that was, um, no, just in terms for Chelsea, it was a real shame. Some of the playing out for the back down the right flank Credit to Gusto for that too. Some of his build-up was outstanding. Cole Palmer dropped off really well. Some of the, the Gusto-Cole Palmer link-up stuff was really, really great. Cole Palmer should have scored. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it was funny. Ian was saying, you know, he should have... That one chance in the first half when he should have gone high, mm. you see it again, and that's one of the ones you just rip. And the thing is, he hit it at the kind of waist height. Great save from Kelleher. Like, no, Unbelievable. Kelleher was great, by the way. He was excellent. His positioning, his movement. The save from Gallagher, second half, that Gallagher again should have scored. So good, yeah. You know, so you really think... Chelsea created some really like, tremendous openings. The XG were like sort of two point three to like one point eight. Yeah, they had the better chances. Yeah, but this they has really, been their, really this did. has been their thing all season, just underperforming their XG totals. Yeah, and that's a composure element. That's I don't know if it's necessarily youth. Um, I don't know where the pressure's coming from, but it's there because they're missing very presentable opportunities. But all that being said, Liverpool just finding resilience all over the field, and Virgil van Dijk being the epitome of that. Mm. And also, shout out to Wataro Endo, who... Played about six different midfields in two exactly. hours. <laughs> but I think he's been quietly <laughs> impressive. Um, yeah. yeah, he has. Underappreciated, maybe because it was a bit of a, oh, this is maybe from a Premier League midfield mm. signing point of view, a little bit underwhelming. We watched a lot of him at Stuttgart. He's a great player, great professional, and very, very handy. And I think this is mm. a game where, you, where, where there were a few people on the pitch with... Um, you know, the kind of clear-headed responsibility, mm. you know. Um, Van Dijk was one of them. I think Endo was the other for Liverpool. And I think, to be honest, despite Chelsea having the better chances, the Chelsea equivalent, Gallagher, Chilwell, I don't think, or even Raheem Sterling, even though he was taken off just after the hour mark, I don't think they stepped up to the level that the Liverpool senior players did. No, they didn't control the spaces they no. were allocated. They, d- they really didn't, not to the same extent. Yeah. I think Chilwell getting involved with Connor Bradley early on and then having a little uh, pop of someone else later on in the game, I just think, was 
I was a bit like, you're one of the, you're the captain here. You don't really need right, to kind right, of get yeah. involved in this nonsense, actually. And I think that that, that was, uh, maybe I'm just playing kind of amateur psychologist, but I think that was a little bit of a glimpse into how, how much Chelsea knew was at stake here mm. for them. You know, it wasn't a calm, I, level-headed. It felt important, of, didn't it? That's the thing. Yeah. This final felt really, it had a sense of jeopardy around it. Mm. Like it was the way the conversation was discussed because, you know, for Chelsea, you know, obviously in the league, they've been struggling. So this was a moment for them. This would have got them into the European Conference, the Europe Conference League. Which ironically would have probably, could have probably been a bad thing for them in terms of, because it would have made them... Just the volume of games. To UEFA, but yeah. to, to UEFA's financial fair play and sustainability rules Oh, good as well. point, yep, yep, While, the, yep. while the, 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 the uh, prize money just isn't a huge amount, it wouldn't have really mm. helped them. So, yeah, I mean, from a Liverpool point of view, Klopp looked really emotional afterwards and I think he, uh, I could kind of get it. It felt like a, it felt like a very emotional win for them and um, I'm just really happy that he's got at least one trophy to finish off the season with. Mm. Um, you look and, at them in the league as well now, I mean, like, you know, top yeah. as they are, yeah. it's, Look, a lot of people. A lot of people are like, "Oh, City going to go on their run and win the league?" No, they're not. Actually, they're really not. Like, well, City have to twenty six games. Twenty six games out of thirty. Ryan, there's twelve games to go. Yeah. City don't have the best goal difference. They don't have the second best goal difference. Like, why are we? Why are people just handing it? Why are they doing the coronation now? There is so much football still to be played, and against teams that are playing and performing at an elite level. Yeah, I mean, Liverpool hosting City and Arsenal going to City are the two Dude, yeah, gigantic that, games there this it is, season. Yeah, there because it is. That, that, the, yeah. the swing that could take place with those two games alone is yeah. massive. Yeah, because Liverpool are not clowns at home, I think it's fair to say. Yeah. And Arsenal, it's fair to say, are not clowns on the road. And also, I think few sides could go up against that Liverpool side. If like By then, if they have a load of players back, Anfield is going to be... I I I would I'm not I would take a guess at saying that Anfield will be one of the loudest it's been since Klopp's been there for that game. Listen, I'd want absolutely no parts of that as a title chasing no, team. No, no parts no, of it. No, no. <laughs> oh, oh, actually, boss, I've got a bit of a knock. Oh, I'll tell you what. Oh gosh, got a really oh, tight oh. calf. Actually, I'm not sure if I'll be able to do that one. <laughs> oh yes, yeah, splintered a toenail, boss. I'll be like the I'll, I'll be like succumb to the wrath of uh, Roy Keane. He's got a calf problem in the biggest game of the season. Biggest game of the season. He's got a calf problem. Yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. Congratulations, Liverpool, first yep. of all. Um, commiserations, Chelsea. But again, some encouraging performances within that team. And stuff to draw from. This episode is brought to you by ZipRecruiter. Daylight saving time is once again upon us, which for me is a good thing. Longer days mean more hours of daylight for outdoor sports. But if you're hiring, it's a whole different ballgame. Because even though it may feel as if your day is longer, it won't help you find qualified candidates any sooner. There's only one way to do that. ZipRecruiter. And right now, you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com stadio. Once you post your job, ZipRecruiter's smart technology works round the clock to show you people with the skills and experience to match your job. Then you can review your list of qualified candidates and invite your top choices to apply. So spring forward with a new hiring partner, ZipRecruiter, and find top talent sooner. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash stadio. Once again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash stadio. 
ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. All right, man, we're just following the uh, right house running order here. So <laughs> it's, it's, oh, like, it's just like uh, in Taylor Swift, Taylor's, Swift, Taylor's version. This is just uh, Ryan's version. <laughs> One for me. Ryan and Moose's <laughs> versions. Can we talk about Arsenal and the Castle? Because I think this was yes. quite a seismic performance from Arsenal and a seismic result as well. Although mm. the, I did joke but I was in the right house group about how much that Newcastle goal annoyed me. Because I really just don't think they deserved a goal. That performance didn't that deserve that performance deserved a clean sheet as uh, with my Arsenal head on. Yes. I think that's fair as well. Also for the goal difference that Arsenal are trying to build. It was a bit of a, it was a slight slight annoyance, I would say. Not mm. not a huge deal, but those great header, I think the league. It was it was great a great overlapping run from Dan Byrne. Yeah, local lad Dan Byrne. Great <laughs> overlapping run. He uses full name, he's the local lad Dan Byrne. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So, what did you think of the game as a neutral? Arsenal was spectacular. The spectacular. The Carry intensity on. they began. The, spe- <laughs> the intensity they began with. Utterly relentless. And what was impressive, I think, was even though there was a slight, a slight dip after half time, they raised it again. Well, you know, I had was, that chance right after half time, didn't they, to go 3 0 up? Oh, the Harvard's chance. Yeah. I, I was talking to a friend, um, Arsenal supporter, and he said, What do you think of the game? And I said, Well, I just, I think they're superb. I think, you know, it should be 4 0 at this point. And they took it to that. And I think all, everything they did, I mean, the Harvard, it's funny, obviously, you know, the tactical plans he suggested came into being. Havertz moved into the nine spot and Same. Jorginho into the midfield. Same. I, I suggested. <laughs> Just saying, man. And dare I say it, Arsenal switching Sign wings. Mikel, I am Arsenal. available. I don't want to be doing Arsenal's, podcasts forever. Arsenal's wingers switching flanks, dare I say it, for the crucial second. Mm. Martinelli going right to left. Yes. Yes, you saw it. Everyone saw it. Martinelli cutting right to left to square for Havertz to get the second. Just the movement of Arsenal, the intensity, the pressing. Declan Rice, again, just doing what Declan Rice does. It's just amazing, man. Yeah. And, and also, like, Saka. Saka's goal productivity. I must say this. Like, we knew that Saka was a chance machine in terms of the creativity, but the one thing that's really struck me and surprised me in a pleasant way is just his goal output. Mm. It's just absolutely amazing how prolific he is becoming. It's really, really striking. I mean, what, like, he scored half his Premier League goals in the last four or five games. Yes. Yeah. Un- unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. Become a consistent, a consistent um, goal scorer. So, really impressed by Arsenal. Newcastle, strangely passive. Now, sometimes when you see games like this where Arsenal are so good, you think, oh, maybe it's because the opposition are just being overwhelmed. But I think it was a bit of both. I think it was not only overwhelmed by the quality of Arsenal, but also just unable to, to play out or be decisive. How, how did you see it? I just think that that Back four looked like they just couldn't hang with Arsenal's front four or five at all. Not one. Like Trippier playing, um, uh, playing like dropping a bit deeper for the off for the first. Was it the first goal? No, second goal. I think it was Trippier uh, dropping a bit deeper, playing everyone off on side, mm. and just looking a little bit kind of all over the place. Mm. Um, the ferocity and intensity that Arsenal kind of came out of the blocks with was really encouraging. And I think definitely a response to the Porto game. Yeah. And also, I think it was a bit of a dress rehearsal for the Porto home leg. Because this is exactly the blueprint I think Arsenal should play against Porto. That lineup is, that lineup is something. Because I think that if you, if you just kind of, uh, the, 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 
the good thing was that the goal came when it did. Like Ian said, I think if it goes on another five minutes or so and Arsenal don't score, it then starts being one of those things where it's like, oh, okay, is this going to get nil-nil at half time? Is this going to be nil-nil in the 70th minute? Are we going to like lose on the counter-attack? But I just think Arsenal was so superior in every part of the pitch that it was one of the most complete performances I can remember from an Arsenal side. Honestly, without sounding like hyperbolic, it felt like one of the most complete performances I've seen from an Arsenal side since, you know, those peak Wenger teams. If it had ended 4-0, I would have put it in that category. I just think yeah, the, 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 the classic really Arsenal to dominate this from start to finish and give nobody a sniff. Yeah. You know, actually yeah. a couple of times I've watched Arsenal recently, I've been thinking about that 4-0 against West Ham that I always talk about that I'm obsessed mm-hmm. with. The 4-0 at Highbury back in the late 90s. And it felt along those lines at certain points watching this game. Just the command. And look, you know, this is a well, team... Th- you know, sorry to cut in, but I think it's because yeah. Arsenal are resembling those... They're honestly resembling in terms of profile. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like an evolution of the Invincibles. Because they have the physicality that they lacked in the last decade. Mm. So they have that combination on that balance of physicality and technicality, which I think they haven't had in that, to that degree for as long as I can remember. Love There's that. There's some big, dude, big dudes in that team. Man. And there's that Timber still to come back. Timber's yeah. coming back from injury as well at some point. That's... Yeah. The midfield is big, apart from Jorginho. Yeah. You know, the, the, there are some big, big guys. That back four is, you know, it's four centre-backs, essentially. Yeah. Um, and Tommy Asso off the bench. Oh, God. <laughs> like, that's the thing as well. Arsenal haven't had Tommy Asso for ages. You Units know, everywhere. They've got... They've got these people coming back as well for the final running of the season, which is at the perfect time because it's almost like the inverse of last year. Mm. You know, Arsenal exploded out of the blocks last year. Never, re- were never really controlling games though, and just like ran out of steam again. Didn't bottle it. Just uh, didn't have the depth. Lost players. Ran out of legs. And this season, it seems to be the other way around, where they started with a real focus on control and then started to gradually open up and be more expansive. And I think that's mm. a much, that's, that's kind of what Man City have done for years. Absolutely, um, yeah. So yeah, we'll see, man. I think it's, um, it's a good run of games until the international break. And then I think if Arsenal can tickle all of those off with wins, um, they're in a really good position. But um, Man City winning against Bournemouth on the weekend as well, being... Bournemouth 1-0. Bournemouth are really good though, I thought. Yeah, really, really good. Really, really good. However, like, and we'd mentioned him on, on Writer's House, but John Stones, man, with just one of the, I think one of the single greatest performances of the season. Wow, big shout. Dude, but in the this con- guy was everywhere. Like, in the con- everywhere. No, but no, but, no, but I respect it because in the context of his season too, yeah. with the injury as well, the way that City players have come back in after injury and just resumed dominance. This was a basketball game. Like he would have ended up with like a quadruple double. <laughs> yes. Not even like a triple double. He would have had like, it would have been points, assists, rebounds. Actually, do you know what? I'm going to say quintuple, quintuple double. He is, points, a truly, assists, rebounds. he is a truly amazing player, John Stones. You have to go back quite a way to think of that type of, that profile of player, actually. I mean, I know this is going to like really, you know, sound like sacrilege to a lot of people, but I think he's Beckenbauer. the closest thing. Yeah, I think he's the closest thing that England have produced to Beckenbauer in yeah, my, yeah, he is. In my he lifetime. Is. Yeah, he is. Oh, you're going you're gonna to say that? That's so funny. Yeah, yeah. We should do a podcast. We should actually. Yeah. I don't know though. I think you're a bit too woke for me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, Stones, hey, outstanding. No, you fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so City, sorry, John Stones, yes. No, so Stones outstanding, City keeping pace. Um, really good win for Villa over Nottingham Forest at mm. home, I know. But the 4-2 win got them a bit of breathing space um, ahead of United, who were beaten by Fulham at Old Trafford. Do you want to talk about this? Not particularly. Uh, um, well, but, we, but huge we're congratulations. To. No, huge congratulations to Fulham for executing the game plan. Um, they set the tone. They took the lead through Bassi, thrashing at top corner, his first goal for Fulham. And I loved, um, loved the break by Troyore and then, well, I didn't love it, but as a neutral, I loved it. The break by Troyore and the late winner from Iwobi. Great finish. I love these finishes, which are kind of cut back across. It's such a... I just love seeing Alex Iwobi playing well. Yeah. I, I think the thing I love about Fulham is you look at that lineup and you see the players who found their place. They've really found them, like Pereira, for example. There's this players in that lineup, Pereira and Iwobi in particular, who were kind of searching for the right fit. Mm. And Iwobi found something of that at Everton, for sure. But Pereira as well at United didn't quite work out. It didn't work out when he went back to Brazil entirely. You know, decent run there, but it, not, it didn't quite stick. And it's just really great to see the quality of the coaching from Marco Silva, where you've got players who are absolutely playing that potential out. And a huge win for Fulham. Massive and one of win, like, yeah. one of just several impressive wins for them this year. They're in 12, like, <laughs> laughing. It's just, it's great. It's just, it's an under, you know, it's under sort of um, an underappreciated season from Fulham. Just really, really fine coaching. Players performing to their best and turning over United at home who were disappointing. Like, there's no, no real redemption in that, in that performance. And I think, the league table now, you look at it, it feels kind of fair. They're sixth, but eight points off Villa. That's kind of right, I think. It's kind of, you know, uh, can't complain with that. Yeah, I mean, they'd been on this, like, good run, but they did. Mm. Have, they had one of these at the beginning of the uh, not too long ago, do you remember, when they were technically the most informed side in the Premier League? Yeah. And there was that wild game at Molyneux, and they beat West Ham at home, we were dreadful. Uh, beat Villa away, which was the real kind of like, whoa. And then beat Luton. Away they have that thing over Villa. They got that like voodoo over Villa. I can't work out what that is. Yeah. But anyway, Villa yeah, voodoo. That sounds like a sounds like an old kind of post punk tune. It does. <laughs> like, a, like a really underground. They only did a forty five. They did one forty five. This band. They were out of like Maybe like a Northern Soul EP or something. Yeah, they were Birmingham <laughs> post punk band. Got the Villa voodoo. <laughs> but it, that is a great name for a band, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's the Derby next at the Etihad. How on a scale of one to get me the fuck out of here? How much are you looking forward to this music? I'm numb to it, Ryan. <clears throat> <I'm> n- <laughs> so, do you know what? It Manning wouldn't Holland. surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me if Man United like snuck a point there, because it'd just be the most like I think Manchester United are on this this quest this season to just perplex everyone. These disruptive performances, I think you're right because there's quality. There's enough quality in that United front line on specific days to just go at anybody. And I think the thing about a derby, and this is not saying they only get up for big matches, it's not, it's more complex than that. But I, I do think that the derby, the form of Hoyland, I just think there's, 
it's, it's not one of those it's not one of those games where you think oh they're going to get steamrolled really I think I think I said this for like the last few derbies in a row but I think it'll either be like Manchester United could nick it or they're going or it could be like it could legit be like 7-0 yeah absolutely I mean I'm not, I'm not sure if Hoyland will be back in time for no. this it's a shame but um, which is a big loss but I think yeah like I don't think it's going to be a walkover I don't think that I mean as a neutral I'm very very hyped for that game the optimism look at you go look at him trying to talk no. himself into believing I'm not I'm not <laughs> you it's are, been so you? long you're trying it's to talk so yourself long. into believing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, any other Premier League stuff you want to shout out from the weekend? Um, no, there is not. Oh, actually, quick shout. We talked about this on Rice House, so apologies for repeating, but shout out to Oli Glasner. 3-0 win in his first game as Palace manager. Yes, uh, actually. Gave yeah, a lot yeah. of credit to, the, to Roy Hodgson and his staff who set them up. Uh, Brighton won, Everton won, 95th minute for winner. Uh, Equaliser, sorry, from Lewis Dunk. Off another Pascal Gross assist. Mm. Uh, Everton, were, I thought, were quite good, though, actually, in this game. It was a good point for Everton. I think even though Brighton were down to 10 men, a point mm. away at, at Brighton is never a bad result, really. Uh, Wolves beating Sheffield United 1-0 on Sunday. Uh, Sarabia with another goal for Wolves. Um, but yeah, should we take a quick break and then go to the continent? Let's do it. All right, man. So we were gonna we said on the last show we were gonna talk about Atalanta a little bit, but I think we're actually gonna hold that for Thursday because they. But let's talk about Serie A first and, and yes. start with them. One all draw at San Siro against Milan, uh, and they're going back to San Siro on Wednesday to face Inter. But uh, Rafael opened the scoring early on, a lovely, lovely goal, and um, Coop Miners with a penalty just before half time. Milan were good, man. I think they probably should have nicked it. They had uh, they had a load of chances. Um, but uh, yeah, like we mentioned, uh, Atalanta are going to go to Inter on Wednesday. So we'll talk a little bit more about this on Thursday because there's a really interesting race for that final Champions League spot going on. Um, Atalanta are on 46 points. Bologna, who won again on the weekend, are on 48 points in fourth place. But Atalanta have been like quietly kind of creeping up the league this season. It felt I mean, like, look at maybe, like the rebuild they've had to do as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And they've obviously been without Adam Ola-Lukman for, for a little bit. Um, uh, who went to AFCON and they've been ticking over they, I think it was uh, Bologna Atalanta and Inter were the most informed sides in, in Serie A and they were kind of hanging pace with Inter in terms yeah. of like wins and stuff and they've crept slowly back up the league especially with Napoli falling off a little bit this season um, Roma kind of being a little bit Lazio dropping off a bit as well and Fiorentina who actually were, were on a bit of a tear mm. started to not to, revert to the mean, but go back to no, where you, to yeah, 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 yeah. But also because you've got Juve now back in the mix after a few years of looking like will will they won't they? It's um, Serie A. That's kind of like top six, seven is really, really fun. And Thiago Motta, we talked about him a load this season, but Thiago Motta, the job he's doing at Bologna is it's incredible. It's absolutely and the football they're playing incredible. too is next level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So good. Um. Dusan Vlajevic. Yes. Scoring scoring important goals, scoring big goals. So Juventus being Frosinone 3-2. He gets a couple in this match and they win with the last kick of the game. Yeah. Um, a lot of late goals in Serie A this weekend. Yeah, there were. Well, well, the big late goals, maybe that's big late goals by big teams, maybe. That's a sort of oh. slight trend we can throw in there. 
do you want big late goals by big teams? Then come watch Serie A. They needed that late goal because Inter had beaten um, Lecce 4-0 again. Inter just, Inter just different level. Even look at the goal difference. Plus 51. Juventus goal difference. Plus 22. Like, Did you see Martinez became, uh, he got his 100th Serie A goal? In no time at all. He scored, so I had a look at this, he scored 101 goals now in Serie A in 196 games. That is an outstanding record. Like, total, total respect. Um, he's been brilliant this year in Serie A uh, for Inter. Um, and that league, I mean, obviously Napoli fell off a cliff after, after that incredible season. Mm-hmm. And even, we said this before, even though, like, Napoli's place is not always naturally at the top of the table, they are below par this year. Um, yeah, massively. Drew one all at Cagliari, uh, disappointing. But that's allowed teams like Atlanta to get back into the mix. And the Atlanta rebuild, I will just say, the reason... That was a 96-minute equaliser as well, by the way, it's worth pointing out. Wild. Awesome and scoring for Napoli. The reason that's so impressive, um, if you look at Atlanta, they bought to Catalero. That was a difficult signing. It didn't work out um, immediately. You have Zapata's gone. Gomez is off. Um, obviously, Ilicic. So the architects of the last great Atlanta side, the core of it, they're not there anymore. I, I have a kind of feeling, I have a theory though about why their resurgence has happened this season. Okay. It's because they signed, say, Kalasnash. <laughs> <laughs> I knew. I, <laughs> no, you fucking did it. Don't lie to me. I knew. I knew. And the moment you said that, the moment, the moment I looked, I was like, what is he? And I, and I thought, what, he's, got, he's got to mention. He's got what to mention now, this. Ryan? Musa gives me this look, everyone. You don't, you won't know this, but sometimes when he knows that something's coming, but he's, he's like, I know you're going to do something, but I'm not, I can't write quite picture what it's going to be yet. He gives it's me like, this what look. what have you done? Yeah, exactly. It's like, what have you, again, proving outstanding value. Do you know what else was outstanding value? Luka Modric's finish. Uh, let's talk about this. Real Madrid won, Sevilla nil. Plenty of chances for both teams. But the Luka Modric winner with 10 minutes to go. They were like, rolling back the years. I'm like, he's not rolling back the years. He's just Modric. He's just doing what he does. This is him. He'll be doing this at 60 if he's given the chance. The Modric first touch, if you get a chance to watch the highlights of the, the winner that he gets against Sevilla, 10 minutes from the end. Oh my God. Ball drops him outside the box. And the first touch is like also a dribble. Mm. Oh my God. Like Only Modric does this. The first touch is a dribble that also takes out the man and then he bends it into the corner and the goal is like 20% better because it goes in off the post. I mean. <laughs> we I mean, all know that that's the, that's the rule. We don't make up. Witness the fitness. Unbelievable. So great win for Real. They've been a bit wobbly actually in the last mm. couple of games. They, ne- they needed that. Without Jude Bellingham as well, right? Yeah, they needed that to get back in the mix. Um, well, they were in the mix, but they need that to get back, you know. It's because Tony Rudiger's back, man. Yeah, everything the, is going to be fine. And there's maybe a theme of like, you know, there's, I was talking about big late goals with big teams. So you had them getting that late one. Mm. That got them back in winning ways. You had, um, obviously, Juventus. They, I think, been four games without a win. But then obviously, Bayern have been on that slide, the three game slide. So there's bounce the Bundesliga. Yeah, can do. Bayern I mean, do you want to shout, just shout out quickly Barcelona beating Catafe 4 0. Almeria's yes. late draw against, well, Almeria's draw against Atleti. Mm. And uh, Betis beat an Athletic Club 3 1, which is a great result for Betis. Uh, Athletic were really not good. good, though. No, no, no. Um, good. But uh, yeah, let's go to, let's go to the, the Bundesliga. Bayern against Leipzig. Bayern taking it very late. Two goals from Kane. Uh, two good finishes. The last one, really, really sweet, with almost the last kick. And they really needed this because earlier, Leverkusen had bitten Mainz. 
2-1. Goals bitten. from Beaten. Wir bitten um Entschuldigung. There he is. There he is. So Bayern beating RB Leipzig 2-1 at home. Really good win for them. Take the lead through Kane. Good finish. Um, Seshko scores having missed a presentable chance before that. And a and couple then, more. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And then Bayern coming in with the late winner from Kane. Lovely finish from left to right. And my God, they needed that. Slightly muted crowd when Kane scored, but I think that's just because they're a bit... Maybe there's a bit of despondency at Bayern just because of the brilliance of Leverkusen. Like in a different season, I think Dude, with a... Bayern have got more points this season than they had at this stage last season. Leverkusen are lights out brilliant. This is the thing. It's, you know, Bayern in crisis narrative, which they are by their standards, yes, but also let's also factor in Leverkusen lights out. I mean, Leverkusen are on an all-time season. I don't think any German side has gone this, this far into a season without being unbeaten in any competition. 33 games unbeaten in the league, I think. So including the last season, I think it's 32 games wow. unbeaten, which is absolutely wild, yeah. Um, you should talk about the Chaka Golden celebration because you flagged it in the group festival. It's because it's an unbelievable goal right early on. You, you all would have seen this by now. I don't know why I'm telling you this. Anyone who <laughs> listens to Stadio would have had this, I assume, on their feeds at some point. Mm. Just basically smashes it over the keeper. It's unbelievable finish. Yeah, it's not um, even a finish, is it? It's just a drive. Rips. And then he it, does yeah. this. Uh, he does the immediate. He's pulled his hamstring. Kevin Hatchard, bless him, on comms got absolutely sold. <laughs> as did the entire Leverkusen bench. Javi Alonso and the technical staff. They're all just like, "Oh shit, do we need to make a sub? Do we need to make a sub?" Anyway, Xhaka then obviously starts gradually. It's a wind-up. The city walk starts yeah, in the Monty yeah, Python yeah. city oh, walk, doesn't he? And Javi Alonso's face is incredible because he's like, oh, so no, 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 he's fine. And his assistant, or the, like, the, the kind of physio, is like, <laughs> oh, you know when you play a prank on like a granddad or yeah. an uncle or something like that and they, everyone finds it funny and it was just a little, they're just a little bit like, oh, you, oh, I don't know. Yeah, I know. Do you know what's so oh, funny about Javi Alonso's face? Javi Alonso's face was like, Oh no, that is just the kind of thing that got pulled back on our days and I can't believe that still got me. You can yeah. see his face like, oh my God. Oh, you got me, you got it's me. Also, got, it's almost like, like, yes, you pesky kids, how yeah. am I still falling for this? He's just like, <laughs> Javi Alonso is just like, this season is so good. We're not going to lose a game. Our key players are faking injuries after scoring in the third minute. <laughs> <laughs> just like, I, I, do you know what would have been amazing? Like, it would have been great if Javi Alonso just sat down and lit a cigar. Honestly. <laughs> It's so cool. It's just, it is kind of wild, right? Um, although it was short lived. Five minutes later, minds get back into it. But then uh, Robert Andrick with the winner, 20 odd minutes from time, were, was enough for Leverkusen. Minds finished the game with 10 men and uh, another win for Leverkusen. They've got, uh, they got Cole next in the derby, mm. which will be fun. Uh, Stuttgart drew with Köln. And uh, Dortmund lost at home to Hoffenheim, which was just, just such a bad result for Dortmund, man. Like, they started the game very poorly, conceded early on. Sloppy defending cost them, I think. But um, Such a disappointing season. Very mid. Mm. Mid. Any other notable results? Oh, uh, Werder Bremen drew with Darmstadt, which is quite a disappointing result for Werder Bremen, who have been on a bit of a, a tear this season. Mm. Um Probably overperforming what people would have thought they were, but that, that win from light, uh, off Hoffenheim takes them above Werder on goal difference. Mm. But the pair of them are just four points off European spot. Midsection is really interesting in uh, the Bundesliga. Heidenheim, really impressive to be up in 10th. 
they had a great draw against um, <clears throat> a great draw against Union. Well, mm-hmm. a great draw, good draw because Union aren't, aren't their former selves. Uh, a far better result, obviously, that for Heidenheim than for Union. Mm. Union We're host Dortmund, Nick. Still in a little bit of trouble. Well, that's that four, that's four, sorry, that's four, four, games of, four games undefeated for Union, though, which I think... Yeah, that's handy. No, that's really handy. Yeah. No, for sure, for sure. They're eight points clear of the relegation playoff as well. Whenever so. I go through the um, airport uh, in Berlin, it's quite poignant to see the Champions League merch still there. Oh, yeah, I saw it here the other day. And it's quite nice. I might even pick one up because it's going to be gone obviously the end of the season, so I might just grab yeah. something for us, a memento. Flip it all on uh, Kleinenzeigen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, can I say as well, Gladbach with the super weird season. Like, beating Bochum 5-2. And, you know, That's their first win just, for a while as well. It's strange, strange. But they, they have these, this, this period of like not having wins, but the teams they beat are like big teams, don't win for ages, and then like... Oh, you've got to be a rival, a relegation rival, a potential relegation rival, and just blow them away. Well, they, yeah, well, they, I mean, that's literally it. They came back after the break, beat Stuttgart 3-1, and they haven't won a game since. So weird. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I would ask Gladbach fans to explain it, only I know they can't. Mm. So yeah, um, all my sympathies there. Just very quickly, can we uh, go to the best league in the world? Oh my God, yeah, that result. Oh my God, let's mm. that. Pauli. So St. Pauli beating Holstein Kiel 4-3 to yeah. extend their lead at the top of the Sveita to six points. Um, and uh, Stefan Baumgart in his first game got a win for Harris Foul, which meant that they uh, closed the gap on Holstein Kiel to just a point, which is massive for them. So yeah, ironically, St. Pauli doing Harris Foul a favour. Mm. But um, 11 games to go, all very interesting. Any other stuff you want to shout out from the weekend? Uh, no, I think I'm all good. I'm all good. Yeah? Yeah. Nothing further. No hot takes? No, no hot takes. No hot takes? None. Nothing at all? <laughs> Nothing at all. You don't want to talk about uh, Gonzalo Ramos's 97th minute penalty for PSG to save a point against Ren? And Mbappe being subbed off. No, I don't want to talk about it. Neither Ooh. does he. <laughs> I mean, you're gonna get me in trouble. The more I talk, the more takes happen. <laughs> <laughs> no one needs that from me. <laughs> we should do um, one one episode of Stadio where it's just you uninterrupted. Take after take, or like no, wow, yeah, like a comedy special. Only with no just, joke. We do the funny. usual intro, and it's just like, "Hi Ryan, how are you doing?" And I'm just like, "Yeah, I'm all right, man. Thanks. How are you?" And then that's it for the rest. You never hear me again for the rest of the just hour. Just go in. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do it on your birthday. Oh, actually, uh, no, 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 no further takes. Just to say, um, it was really lovely hanging out with the Writers House gang this weekend. Mm. Uh, you know, the really nice thing about obviously coming to London and doing the podcast is get to catch up at games, um, whether watching them on a screen in the pub somewhere or, or at the match. So that was really lovely. But other than that, no hot football takes. I think the rest of football's been pretty, pretty sedate, apart from that big final. A couple of late winners. A couple of late winners. Um... But yeah, all right, well, let's, let's roll then. Let's bounce. Yeah, yeah we hope everyone's staying safe, staying well. Don't forget to check Writer's House. Don't forget to check Counter Press as well. And mm. um, check the Stadio Actors players on Spotify. Speaking of which, playing out on one from the great 3024 label. Oh. By the great man, Martin. A uh, track called End of a Line or Part of a Circle by Tristan Arp. Anything you would like to add? We saw one. Nothing further. All right, everyone, much love. Have a great week. We'll be back with you on Thursday. See you then.